Welcome to Justice Losers, a podcast where we discuss entertainment, media, namely movies, TVs, and comics. I'm your host, Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host. Bat Matt. <laughs> Guess we're going with it. Yeah. <laughs> I got through the part that I always mess up. But... Then you got in your own head. Yeah, I did. Yep. Matt, what you been up to? Uh, liking, subscribing, Whoa, and shit. starting fights in the comments. Great start. It's been a week. <laughs> yeah, be sure to like and subscribe. Or uh, I mean, there's always ways to interact and share your support for things on whichever medium you're listening to or watching this on. Yeah. So do those things. And then in the comment section on whichever particular medium you're on, let's get some controversy up in here. We're gonna say some things. We're gonna say some some good opinions. Boy, this is gonna be a very opinion based episode. Boy, is it? If, if you, you disagree. Uh... Yeah, if you think that what we're talking about is bad, you're wrong. If you think what we're talking about that is bad is good, then you're wrong. Tell us in the comments. Yep. Matt, what have you been up to? Part two. <laughs> All right. What have actually been up to? I finished Authority, which is the sequel to Annihilation, um, second book in the Southern Reach trilogy. Yep. Uh, Authority is lots of interviews and sort of uh, intra, intra-agency espionage. Um, much Love more spy it. stuff. It's a, it's good. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a completely different kind of book than Annihilation. But then it all kind of comes together in the end, and things kind of escalate. And so I started the third book, which is called Acceptance. Escalation. Oh. No, it has to start with an A. Annihilation, Authority, Acceptance. Yeah. Some. Yeah. Sure. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So this one is good. It's uh, it's different again in that it's multiple different perspectives, and it's kind of set across. Uh, different time periods mm-hmm. um one of the point of views is in second person which is interesting so like it's saying you like yeah you do this and you do that it's like uh, goosebumps goosebumps did have yeah some yeah. of those yeah i was like choose your own adventure choose your own adventures. you went into the like D&D. yeah yeah it's like you you go into the, you the ever place. Read goosebumps many did you read the Choose Your Own Adventure ones? I read, I think, a couple of them. How many times did you like not like the way that it went, so you just went back and chose the other one? <laughs> I, uh... I read every single page of all of those books because I never liked the decision I made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I so I owned one, and that one, I'm pretty sure I'd followed every single path by the time mm-hmm. I was done with it. Yeah. Um, and then I checked out one from the library once and read through a couple different ones. Yeah. Was, yeah. Anyway, acceptance. Uh... I'm probably a third of the way through it. Um, I'm very interested to see where it goes. I'm hoping we get some answers because it like it it just the whole thing kind of feels like it's circling some sort of explanation for what's actually going on mm-hmm. and what sort of thematic ramifications that's going to have. And I'm really hoping it kind of goes somewhere. Um. So we'll we'll see. I imagine it's going to wrap up well. Just it's a well-regarded trilogy, but mm-hmm. we'll we'll see. We'll see how it comes together. Yeah, I'll let you know next week or week after. What other stuff is he that. done? What's his recent work like? Paramount Who? Pictures, Born. What? In 2017, Vandermeer released Born, a biotech apocalypse oh, novel, yeah. novel, and Paramount has optioned the film rights. Well, cool. How about that? Yeah, right. yeah. I was just randomly looking up what else he's done. Yeah, he's done a few other books. He did one called Dead Astronauts, I think. Um, Dead covers. Ass. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, that, was, that probably happened when Dead Ass was a phrase for. Nope. No. Nope. nope definitely not. No. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I'm enjoying it. 
we'll see. I think I think the how good the ending is is going to determine whether or not I actually go and seek out anything else he does. He's mm-hmm. done. Um, yeah, uh, I've been reading a little more V for Vendetta. Mm-hmm. It's good. Um, it's a little bit difficult because like the art is deliberately kind of obscured. It's a lot of grays and sort of muted yellows, like mm-hmm. street lamps in the fog kind of colors. Yeah. Um, and then it's a good way of putting that. Yeah, it's very just like I mean it's super British. Yeah, um, and all of the all of the villainous characters are vaguely interchangeable. Um, white guys with generic British names, and they all kind of look the same, except for the one Scottish guy. Yeah, um, and so it's a little hard to keep track of who's who and whose nefarious plots are overtaking the other person's nefarious plots, mm-hmm. and um, it's just kind of a tangled web. But it's a interesting there's a lot of stuff going on um started getting a little more into like the philosophy of the anarchy and stuff mm-hmm. um which is interesting um there's a, a line where it's like yeah so first comes chaos and then comes anarchy yeah and i'm always mistrustful of ideologies that are like yeah it's gonna be really bad for a while but then everything's gonna be utopic yeah. so i don't know i'm not sold alan more but maybe the the last third of the book will convince me also, Uh-oh. Rick and Morty season four is on Hulu. Oh, I've been watching a little That's bit of right. that. That happened, didn't it? Yeah, it just kind of happened. Yeah, for the like the middle tier fans, but like obviously the fanatics frothing at the mouth were like, "Holy shit, it's season four Like every week. Yeah, but I didn't see that because my circle is like, our circle is like, yeah, it's a pretty good show. It's kind of funny. Mm, yeah, and it just kind of <laughs> yeah. happened under our radars yeah i realized i'd actually watched a few of these i don't even know how i, I watched a couple when they first came out yeah. yeah um i think it's a significant step down from the previous seasons it probably is and i think the reason is they're letting him use the f-bomb now oh is he like overusing it yeah people who use the f-bomb are trash yes but like the dialogue has gotten markedly worse and every conversation is fluffed out fluffed out (laughs) that sounds like a rick and morty word yeah (laughs) fluffed out by too many f-words and it's just it kind of it doesn't have the same bite to it um and it's not as snappy it just i mean it's like you always feel more insulted when it's an what's it when it's an insult with no curse words versus yeah. someone just saying you're a f- asshole piece of shit it's like yeah okay <laughs> like it, it's yeah jerry so, you're uh, a useless parasite yeah, much better exactly. yeah like that's it, it's just it feels like a little bit more visceral yeah to be hit by that than yeah seven cuss words in one word yeah it's just it's less substantive now yeah um so the episodes themselves have felt less curse fleshed words out as a person who curses more more than a boat of sailors or a cop-out for more yeah. intelligent conversation. But never come at me with people that curse are not intelligent. There are actual studies that show that people that use the F-bomb are actually more intelligent. It's interesting. I've read mm. the study. It's substance study. It's I mean, it doesn't have more than like that in a couple other studies, so it's not... Right. It's a theory at the moment, but not a law. It'll never be a law. But never come at me with that. <laughs> All right. There's no evidence to show that people that curse are more intelligent or less mm-hmm. intelligent wonder what sort of underlying variables could be explaining that. I'm curious. Hmm. People don't see the need to try... Like, more intelligent people don't see the need to try to prove their intelligence by 
acting intelligent all the time? That is literally Could me be. riffing right now. Like, yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to speculate on it. Yeah. This is not uh, what we're talking about today. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll, I'll probably finish Rick and Morty season four. Um, it's going to have to have a couple of good episodes in the back half for me to really want to watch season five. Yeah. I'm starting to realize... A lot of more episodes planned, don't they? Yeah. It's like 78 more episodes. I don't know. Some number. Wait, like, that's, no, that's our number. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't, I don't know specifically, but... Um, I'm starting to realize I have kind of a high threshold for going back to a show. Like I'll mm-hmm. watch, um, I watched the first season of the boys. I didn't like it very much. I didn't watch season two. Mm-hmm. I probably won't watch season two. You watched the second season of Umbrella Academy. I did. I kind of regret it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, I mean, part of it's just, I don't have that much time, so I haven't yeah. caught up on Bojack Horseman and altered carbon and shows that I legitimately really like. Um, but just, yeah, Hannah and I stopped watching The Office a little bit into season eight, mm-hmm. which it's bad at that point. Yeah. Um. Oh, uh, I was on an airplane, so I looked at the selection of in-flight entertainment and decided that one of the movies that I'm probably never going to actually sit down and watch anywhere else, but that was on the list, was Terminator Dork Fart. Oh. I mean, dink fat. That. Yeah, I did. I, I've seen the first five. I figure I should see number six. Yeah. There's six of those things. There's more than two of those things. No, there are there are two. There are two. And there are two good ones. Anyway, yeah, uh Terminator Dark Fate, the sixth one, the most recent one. Eh. I legitimately forgot I'd watched it until I checked my notes a few minutes ago. <laughs> so obviously that, left an impression. That tells you all all you need to know. Yeah. Um I do really like some little bits and pieces of it. Um the actual Terminator the the evil machine that is mm-hmm. sent back in time to come and kill the person mm-hmm. is pretty cool and well thought out and i think conforms pretty well to the original vision of james cameron because he originally wanted to have actually oj simpson play the terminator oh yeah he wanted a guy who just seemed like a nice relatable everyman who could kind of blend into a crowd yeah that's what oj simpson is boy that aged well <laughs> didn't it <laughs> um but he ended up going with Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's a giant Austrian killing machine that stands out yeah. in any crowd. Um, and this one, I don't even know the actor's name. I don't recognize him from anything. But he really does blend in. Um, and there are multiple scenes where it takes pains of watching him like observing other people's behaviors and then kind of subsuming that into his own affect. And like... Oh, cool um using that to ingratiate himself with people and use that to get his way he's he is much more of like infiltrate and then targeted destruction yeah gabriel oh who gabriel that's his name that's oh wait hang on what what his name is gabriel and he plays gabriel slash f or rev nine oh okay but gabriel is the archangel of no that's not gabriel um (laughs) Never mind. Not important. Uh, yeah. So he was he was cool. He was good. Um, oh, he was an agent. He's a ghostwriter in Agents of Shield. Oh, oh. So you have seen him? No, no, you've seen see Agents him. of Shield. Uh, he was also Miguel Gibb in True Detective. Which uh, season fifteen one? So that's probably season two. Two, yeah, probably. Okay, yeah. He's also in Prison Break for one episode. Yeah. Okay. So he's he's not a huge shoot, but yeah, he was he was quite good in this. I thought Um, he was probably the most interesting part. Um, 
Linda Hamilton is back. Um, mm-hmm. Pack a day since T2, Linda Hamilton is back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's got a real gravelly voice now. Um, and it, I mean, it kind of suits her character, but she also seems just like a little bit rusty. Just mm-hmm. like there's definitely some scenes where it feels a little clunky. She's just like not really in it. Yeah. Um, Arnie's back and it's kind of disappointing that they ruined the reveal in the trailer because yeah. they they built up to it for like an hour of screen time. Yeah. And I'm like, I watched the trailer. I know what I know what this is. I feel like that can be another episode tying into our bad trailers for yes. good movies where it's just like, I mean, Spider-Man Far From Home. Was homecoming. It, home? it was homecoming. It was homecoming. Yeah. Just laid out the plot of the movie. Every element. <laughs> yeah. Uh so that I mean that kind of made that it, it was never going to be super exciting but it was yeah. kind of anticlimactic. Yeah. Um there were just a, a couple nice moments but a lot of dumb ones and it was ultimately just pretty forgettable. You know what I can't wait for? Terminator 7. Dune. So you're going to have to wait long I know. time, my guy. Anyway, uh, not the movie we were talking about. Did I have something else on my watch? I felt like I had something else on my watch, but up to your list. I should probably check that. Moving on. Uh, and then Billie Eilish dropped a new song. I haven't listened to it yet. Therefore, I am. I haven't been in the right mindset to just put, to, I almost said put myself through, to experience. Because I, I like her enough that I'm willing to like, experience, mm-hmm. which means I don't want to just listen to the new song. Right. I want to like be ready for it. And I keep hearing the stop. What are you talking about? Like that mm-hmm. bit. And I'm just like, that's probably one part in the entire song, isn't it? Have you, you've heard it? Yeah. Yeah. Once. It good? It's pretty good. good. I have no frame of reference whatsoever. You have the rest of her music. The which I think with eight Billie songs Eilish, I've listened to. Well, I mean, that's, that's about half of her music. It's true. Like, I believe that with artists, you should compare them to their, their own stuff. Never compare an artist to other people because it's just you're it, it's similar to an actor being the next other actor mm. um brie larson kind of encapsulated this but in a shitty way uh someone said she's the next tom cruise and she's like no i'm the first me but she said it really rude mm. um but i don't know you compare billy eilish to billy eilish it's you can't compare billy eilish to pretty much anything else because she's specifically her she's created her own sound it's true she's yeah. a little inspired by lord because i listened to a couple of lord songs recently yeah. and kind of has that same low energy but high intensity mm-hmm. um which is a great way of describing it that really is <laughs> yeah um but yeah no i think if you enjoyed it about the same level that you enjoyed the rest of her stuff then there you go that's <laughs> it's okay. a good song <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah. anything else music video is pretty funny oh her dancing through the mall yeah yeah it's just a long take of her walking through the mall yeah and- dancing oh, and yeah. i've seen clips of it yeah yeah all right that's it okay what you been up to excel been a work week yeah been a been a work week uh good thing i've been up to huh good thing i've been chin up to yeah. thing uh i have also played i watched a couple more episodes of new girl here mm-hmm. and there uh it's still pretty good it's it's amusing mm-hmm. um i mean there seems to be tiny little plot threads that go from about span of three or four episodes but then kind of conclude it doesn't seem to be a whole lot of just if i went back to mid episode one the characters are different right uh with the exception of their life is changing not like they are changing right um uh, like how am i drawing up on zoe deschanel's character 
What? Oh, Jess. Jess. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> Jess doesn't like got fired from her job at the end of the or at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. It just seems like her life has changed, and she's not particularly changing. Um, which mm-hmm. again, yep. it's a TV show. It's a comedy TV show. I shouldn't really expect any more than that. Yeah. But you know, it's still amusing. Uh, Nick Johnson is just. Jake oh, yeah. Johnson. Jake yeah. Johnson is just great. Yeah. I love him so much. <laughs> um, uh, and then I have continued to play Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I talked about last week. And for the people that care about it, it's it's an Assassin's Creed game. Go into it us expecting the kind of home base mechanic of Assassin's Creed 2, which was 2010 um and the uh fighting mechanics fighting mechanics of bloodborne bloodborne which is like a huh. um you fight these big monsters and you you dance around them until you wait for the right moment and hit them mm-hmm. and then the stealth mechanics of odyssey and origins it's just an assassin's Creed game the reason i'm saying all this is because they over promised uh. there was a lot of stuff that what the reason that we were hyped up and this i'm gonna take the attention away from Assassin's Creed specifically uh, and to more of just promising in entertainment media. Yeah. Because um, I think I want to do an episode on that at some point where they promise all of this really cool stuff. They're like, yeah, um, for video games, it'll be a lot of, oh, your choices matter, but they don't matter. No. It's There was a dialogue option that came up. I'm taking it right back to Valhalla. There was a dialogue option that came up and it gave me three options to say something. And I was like, okay, they're all kind of like different, but I guess maybe take a conversation in a different way. I chose the top one. The preceding dialogue just went through all three. So I, it, oh. I, it doesn't matter. I, yeah. If I'd chosen the last one, it just would have been a shorter conversation. Yeah. Um, the decisions you make don't matter on how you approach situations. Like situations will come up. Hey, this person's being an asshole. Mm-hmm. You want to be a nice person. You want to be a douchebag. Like, regardless, they're going to leave in a huff. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's not like um, Fallout New Vegas, which is a Bethesda game, has a really good reputation pro- uh, system where mm-hmm. you do a thing and then people around you experience it and will change their opinion of you based on it, like mm-hmm. how, they're, how they like it. Very and nice. then it can actually spread throughout the town. Like the community will get an opinion of you communally as you do things. I like that. So you could just be an asshole in town one and mm-hmm. everyone hates you and then you can be a nice person in town two and everyone loves you and, and then you can get the two towns to, to fight. fight over you yeah <laughs> <laughs> um as it's just over promised the like they said your hometown or your home base thing is like oh it'll develop as you develop it and you can upgrade it however you want no there's just a bunch of tents that you go and upgrade into a building and then it's that nice it's yeah Yeah. the stealth unless you want to be stealthy which is the game was built on stealth right that's how the game started was a stealth game and like unity kind of made you go stealth because if you got into a fight with more than three people you're dead um but Mm -hmm. this one the point is that you you're a viking and you need to play it that way and the problem that i have with it is all the past games you can play it one way or the other right and it will work with this one you try to be stealthy and then someone sees you through a wall, and then the entire continent attacks you at once. And it's just... Sounds like, about right. 
They're like, oh, you want to be stealthy? Cool. You got to be really, really, really good at it or you're going to play it the way we want you to play it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you realize these are Vikings. They probably stink horribly. So if one of them's outside the wall, <laughs> the whole continent's going to smell them. I it's smell a Viking. Viking. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it, it's, I don't know. I'm going to play through it because I spent money on it. Yeah. Um, but it's... Some cost fallacy. Well, I mean, it's not technically because I'm not continuing to spend money on it. Sunk cost is you kind of stop spending money on it because the intent is that you, if I spend more money, it will make it back. It's gambling. I thought that was a different thing, but well, like sunk cost is like, oh, if I keep trying, I'll make the money back. I thought that I'm was like gonna... the gambler's fallacy. Uh, I thought that I was different. Uh, don't quote me on this. I think they're pretty interchangeable in a situation like this. Yeah. But the point of this is like, I'm going to get my value out of it. I'm not going to make the money back, mm -hmm. but it's going to somewhat entertain me in the small bits that are good mm -hmm. for the duration. Like, okay. I'll get my satisfaction from the small bits that are okay. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I spent money on it. I'm going to use it until I'm done with it. And then I'm going right. to never touch it again. Okay. Bottom three games of the game of that franchise. Wow. Too buggy. And uh, it's expected. Yeah. I've talked about this before that they have this pattern where the first game is super buggy and the second game is great because they change the engine every other game. Right. Like and the mechanics. And it didn't happen with Origins, which was would have been like the first game of that pair. Mm -hmm. But it's because they took a year off. They waited right. an additional year and they cleaned it up more. Still buggy, but way better. And I was like, maybe they fixed it. And they went right back to their year releases. And then this happened and it's just buggy. Of course. I have a mission that's constantly just in a state of waiting because you're supposed to get a key from the guy and one way of doing it is getting a little girl to distract him while you go and pick it up from behind where he was mm -hmm. he's not there and i can't get the girl to stop distracting him so she'll keep <laughs> saying the same three lines for waiting for me to pick up the key and i can't pick up the key because it's not there and i can't do it i tried to kill her i tried to kill him do anything to change the course of the quest nope just gonna not gonna finish that quest all right anyway that's all i've been up to i think pretty sure remember when brian cranston said that the tetris tri movie trilogy was going to be like the dark knight <laughs> trilogy <laughs> i'm just thinking of your comment on over promising and that sprang to mind yeah i wonder if that's still going to happen let me google this kind of hope not news uh, news i was typing the word movie and yeah. i said movie <laughs> let's see uh we finally got a trailer for chaos walking uh oh. with tom holland yeah. and daisy ridley and There's... mads mickelson what two days ago uh taron edgerton was cast for the tetris movie and i guess it's moving to apple huh so I guess it is happening. Feels like there's some sort of joke there, Taron Edge Urton, and like, but I can't quite see how it fits together. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> go away. <sighs> Chaos walking. Um, people, uh, this is based on a book, I think. Um, it's got Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley and Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything about it, but people that are aware of the property were really excited about this, but we're also like, Hey, this is probably unfilmable. I don't know. It looks kind of interesting, but it looks like it could also be really, really bad. Yeah. Um, probably. It's a, 
Scott Mads Mickelson. Name one good thing he's been in. Uh, Fantastic Beasts 3. Yeah, yeah, that one's good. That one's real good. Yeah. <laughs> Which he apparently came out and said, yeah, I don't think I'm probably going to be in that. <laughs> good, he has standards. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. We'll see more as that comes out. It's a interesting premise. Like, you hear men's thoughts, but didn't they already do that with the remake of the movie? Well... So Mel Gibson did a movie called What Women Want, where he can read women's minds. And then uh-huh. they did a remake a couple years ago, What Men Want, where <sighs> Tiffany Haddish, maybe, can read men's minds. Um, this kind of just feels like sci-fi dystopia version of that. But I don't know. It's kind of interesting how it manifests, I guess. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Taraji Henson? Yes. Same initials sure (laughs) uh we apparently got a new trial trailer for Zack snyder's justice league i watched it and didn't realize it was a different trailer um although apparently it's black and white i saw a color colorized version not the movie itself oh the miniseries itself the trailer is yeah okay (laughs) they're already (laughs) colorizing it that's hilarious they're just yeah i think they released them probably simultaneously there were a couple of Oh, you, they released both. Okay, I thought you said that there was a black and white version. Someone else went and colorized it no. and then released that. And you happened to see that one before the actual trailer. And I thought that was a hilarious commentary <laughs> on this friend, on this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm still weirdly kind of on board for this, but like... We know where I stand on it. Yeah, it... The more I watch and read about it, the less on board I am. So they should probably just cut their losses and stop releasing this trailers. This sounds really familiar. BVS advertising for two years. Yeah. To get BVS. Yeah. It's going to happen. Overpromising. Hey, theme of the day. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, Actually, it might come back. Okay. All right. We'll talk about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, we got a another quote unquote new trailer for Wonder Woman 1984. It's yeah, just the old it's trailer with the on new HBO Max, and I can watch it without spending money. Woot woot woot! Except not till Christmas well, Day, and so they we'll, would have yeah. released. Yeah. Yeah, but we were hoping to get advance tickets so we could review it. That's true. Before I death go home woo. for a little that's, bit. That's that's true. But I'll be home very quickly after christmas probably so you no know, it'll work um we got a trailer for a live action tom and jerry movie with michael pena and chloe grace moretz as human characters who exist alongside the cartoon tom and jerry that are in the this looks really dumb if you're gonna make a movie that's about an animal like a cartoon animal make the movie about the cartoon animal not about them not about humans around it sonic the hedgehog I don't give a shit about that guy. Detective Pikachu? I don't give a shit about that guy. Let me watch Pikachu! <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen it, so I... But they need <laughs> a human to relate to. No one watched Pokemon and Sonic to relate to the characters. Yes. Or no one played Pokemon. <laughs> I guess you were a trainer. Yeah. But it wasn't Pokemon, it was Detective Pikachu. That's right. What are they gonna... I mean, if it's gonna be a slapstick... So... 
yeah. tell me, that, don't tell okay. me it's gonna be like a gritty reboot of Tom no. and Jerry. So the premise is the cartoon characters kind of go their separate ways and they go to the big city, and oh my God. they uh, uh, whichever one the mouse is takes up residence in a in a hotel. Jerry, Jerry takes up residence in a hotel, and there's gonna be some sort of big fancy event at the hotel. And so they, um, Chloe Grace Moretz is hired as like a intern at the hotel or something to help get rid of the mouse problem that has oh. sprung up. And so she says, okay, we could hire exterminators, spend a bunch of money, or we could yet let 3 million years of evolution do its work. And she brings in a cat, but the cat is Tom. And so. Do we have any shenanigans first about what they're supposed to look like? We have a full trailer. Oh. Oh, we do. Oh, wait. And it's oh, like, there's still the cartoon versions. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like the Sonic where it's just like this gross, realistic looking, like, cartoon <laughs> fake, ugly character. Oh, all right. I mean, I'm not going to watch it because I hate those kinds of movies where it's like yeah. the animation alongside live action. Yeah. But at least they're not making them disgusting. <laughs> yeah. And poor Chloe Grace Moretz looks like she has no idea what's going on. There's a shot. Well, she doesn't because she doesn't know what yeah. she's looking at. Yeah. There's a shot where, like, um, Jerry pulls a classic Jerry shenanigan and, like, Tom dives towards the mouse hole and Jerry just, like, moves it across the wall. Just, like, <laughs> drawing and he, As he does. face plants into the wall. And yeah. Chloe Grace Moretz is watching and she kind of just gets this, oh, look on her face. But it's like she doesn't know what she's reacting to. It's yeah. really awkward. Yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be the whole movie, isn't it? What else? Uh, Deadpool 3 is probably actually going to happen at oh. Disney. Um, they hired writers. PG-13 or R? R. Apparently. Oh. Well, they haven't officially confirmed it, but they've said that they want to go forward with an R-rated Deadpool. Um, they hired uh, Wendy Molyneux and Lizzie Molyneux Logolin, Lo- Logolin, uh, who are writers on Bob's Burgers, to come on and write it. So it's probably like Molyneux, like the Y is not Molyneux. Yeah, that's Molyneux. probably right. Yes, yeah. Bob's Burgers, French. Nick Offerman, and Meg Mullally, Mullally, Summer of '69, no apostrophe. Oh, that's kind of funny. What? One of um, Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally: colon Summer of '69, colon no apostrophe. Like no apostrophe at '69. It's just Summer of '69. Yeah, no. Uh... That's kind of funny. Oh. All right. So okay. there's a sense of humor. There's a dry sense of humor with Bob's Burgers mm-hmm. that can be amusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how she does with um, vulgarity and disgusting murder. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, not pessimistic yet. No, nope, which is same. a good sign. Uh, you know which threequel is probably not going to happen is Mindhunter season three, which is very sad. Oh, yeah. Um, apparently it's pretty expensive to make, which is surprising given that it's mostly just people talking in mm-hmm. rooms. It's a very good show of just people talking in rooms, so it's yeah. kind of surprising that it costs that much. Um, but apparently they don't draw enough viewership on Netflix to justify it, and so David Fincher's like, yeah, kind of want to do it. It was really hard to make the second season, and it was not that much fun, and yeah. then we're not making them enough money, so I'm not closing the door on it, but like I'm not planning to make it right yeah, now. So valid reasons. Yeah. Which it's kind of disappointing, because like, you haven't seen any of Mindhunter yet. So basically um, the first season is just like these, the two guys who kind of set out to 
coined the term serial killer. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, that's not their like, they said, I'm like, we're going to coin a term for this. It's like, no, they're just thinking about like, um, the psychology behind weird out there murders. Um, mm-hmm. and they just go through a bunch of little individual cases. Um, and then the second season is set a lot around the Atlanta child murders. Mm-hmm. Um, and then throughout all of this, there's little excerpts and bits and pieces of, um, uh, like the beginnings of, uh, Dennis Rader, who was the BTK killer in Kansas city. You just see like little bits and pieces of his story completely disconnected from the the main story. And so, mm-hmm. The intention was to have like this full arc and eventually they like start tracking him down and it ends with them catching him or cool. the end of his story. I don't know yeah. what it was in real life. So it's kind of disappointing that we're not going to see that actually come to fruition, but we got two good seasons and I'll hold out hope that eventually they'll come back together and get another one. But sad. He is serving 10 consecutive life sentences at El Dorado correction facility in Butler County, uh, Butler County, Kansas. Okay. Good. Yes, seventy-five. All right, it's a lot of life sentences. Yep. Uh, do you know that Margot Robbie's going to be in a Pirates of the Caribbean movie, <laughs> female spinoff? What? Yeah. Is it going to be Kira Knightley's character, or is it just going to be her own thing? Nah, it's just going to be her own thing. All right, I'm fine with that. Pirate. Okay, look, pirates are cool. They were horrible monstrosities of like murderers. Still are. They're, they're, I mean, like, the first Pirates of the Caribbean was, one, a good movie, and also an interesting concept, just, like, a fun, like, pirate movie. Yeah. Because it's just a new thing. Yeah. If they just want to, like, get away from all this whatever fantastical shit they've been doing with the movies, yeah. and just return back to the original, just, just pirates, and, yeah. like, a little bit of a curse, maybe, with, yeah. uh... Margot Robbie. Robbie. Yeah, Margot Robbie is I'm like so a sexy, sassy pirate captain. I'll yeah. take it. I'm so for it. Yeah. That'd be pretty great. I'll watch it. Maybe. Depends on it. Might if be bad. Like, ah, it's like twice as much magic and as five. And then it'd just be like, Ooh. no thanks. <laughs> I yeah. haven't seen five. I haven't seen three, four, or five. I just know that there's too much magic. Yeah. It's Disney magic. It's... What if it's a rated R? What if Disney just goes, you know what? We're breaking the, we're popping our cherry on rated R movies. Might as well just do it. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Margot Robbie can do rated R because she has. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> boy has she. I'm down for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then The Last of Us is uh going to be uh, go an HBO series. Yep. I don't know anything about the game, but I know that people like it and think it's got a really good story. It is. It's a post-apocalyptic zombie. Uh, following Joel and mm, can't remember her name off the top of my head because I've only played the first half of the first game. Nicholas also, Holt. Yes. <laughs> no, it's um thirteen year old girl and a guy, and I think they just come across each other. Mm-hmm. But she's like roughly the age of his daughter who died in the apocalypse, like when uh. it happened, and it's just the appeal of the game of the new games because it was a game that happened a while ago and i think the new one was a remake or remastered but they've got two fantastic voice actors Mm -hmm. and it's just the story is great the acting is great the animation is solid the just the game is solid as a whole but like the it is it's an apocalypse plot you've seen the road right i've read the road it's kind of like that okay. where it's not really about the zombie apocalypse per se. Like you mm-hmm. have to shoot zombies every once in a while, but it's about the survival in a post-apocalyptic landscape. Okay. Um, and two people that are like, it's a 
30-something-year-old guy with the 13-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. But the girl is not just like, oh, I'm 13. Like, she's very mature. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's a great story okay. that I've played. I had never finished the game because I got stuck on one mission and played it back when I gave up on games. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, it's, I'm... I, unless they just retell the same story, I'm absolutely going to watch this. Okay. Because, I mean, HBO can do good shit. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Um, so I I think they're going to do this justice if they just treat it like a good show. Like, is it going to be a miniseries or a TV show? I think it's going to be a should have had my article still pulled up. I think it's a up. miniseries. Because I, I saw that link or that article um, too. It's a miniseries. Maybe. Sure. <laughs> It'll be something. <laughs> Can't find anything to confirm that specifically, yeah. but I think it's gonna be. I it, okay. I'll put it this way: it'll serve it better to be a miniseries than an ongoing TV show, because especially something like that, mm-hmm. you run into uh, Walking Dead problems where it loses what it's about. Right. Uh, where Walking Dead was about a group of people fighting against zombies, it's no longer about zombies. Zombies are an inconvenient uh, environment mm-hmm. when they're fighting humans. Um, right. And there's an appeal to that show, but the establishment of uh, walk or appeal appeal to that situation, that that plot of a of a thing. Mm-hmm. But Walking Dead has established itself as a people versus zombies, not a people versus people. Right. So it suffers in later later seasons because it doesn't have the baseline of people versus people. Yeah. It doesn't have the the themes established. The themes. They're like they're doing things with wrong themes versus what the good show was. Um, which could be an entire episode on its own, but a theme. That was a whole bundle do, of ideas. We should do okay. an episode on themes. That'd be really good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? That's all I got. You got any more news? Nope. All right. Light the fire. Yum bum bum. That wasn't quite it. What? What were you going for? <laughs> like the the, oh, the the fire theme. The fire nation yum, theme. Bum, yeah. Bum bum bum. I don't. Yeah. I can't. Right off the top of my head. Can't. So, so, what's the other thing you've been up to today? I should been up to the last four episodes of Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yes, you did. Woo! All right, so we finally have are are able to talk about this. Um, like grown up adult men, grown up twenty four year old men talking about a cartoon that came out in two thousand four on Nickelodeon. On Nickelodeon, this is what y'all signed up for. No, it's. The reason we're talking about this show, um, if you haven't listened to episodes prior to the 150 relaunch, I've talked about this a lot. Um, Avatar is a, Avatar The Last Airbender is a show that came out forever ago. And it just, it was a show that was ahead of its time Mm -hmm. and it was targeted at children, but it just nailed the ability to tell a compelling story with compelling character arcs that still appeals to grown people. Yep. Um, now, I'm not saying we're fanatics who our rooms are decorated with Avatar The Last Airbender stuff. Maybe yours isn't. <laughs> I have converted you. <laughs> you haven't seen my room in the past three weeks, have you? <laughs> it is. It's just a phenomenal show. And I watched it when it was coming out. And I remember staying up super late um, for the last several episodes. Mm-hmm. Um crouching in my mom's room my mom's office at night like with her little tv that she had behind her that would just play like west wing or something Mm -hmm. and i would sit there and watch it at night and then 
like hoping she wouldn't walk in and get mad at me because I was supposed to be in bed. <laughs> um, but it was just, it was a great show back then. And then I revisited it mid college mm-hmm. before the podcast started. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is a great show. And then I revisited it, revisited, re- saw it again <laughs> after we had started the podcast. And I had learned a bit more about like, construction of show and quality of entertainment and themes and themes and i was like this is an amazing show it mm-hmm. it yeah and so we we've been talking about having an episode on this but you needed to watch it yep and then you watched most of it and then i told you to wait and watch the last four episodes on my new sound system and big tv and we never got around to it so you yep. just crammed it in this morning yep i put it on my headphones if that makes you feel better it does as long as they're good headphones and not like earbuds yeah, they were like actually over the year. They're, okay, cool. They're decent. Good. So, did that do anything? I don't know. I just wanted to watch the last four episodes on my speakers. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel bad for not, but uh, like we were running out of no, time. I will, I will watch those anyway. Yeah. Um, so, I just wanted to, we wanted to have an episode on it and yeah. talk about just why this is a good show and convincing the. Uh, there's a few people I have in mind, uh, listeners that I have in mind that mm-hmm. have not watched the show and might not have an interest in watching the show. And my goal is to convince why this is such a good show um, okay we're gonna spoil a few things but there's not really plot twists um you kind of yeah you always know how it's going yeah exactly you know where it's going and you have an idea of where it's gonna go so it's not really um there's really no twist yeah um especially if you're an adult that can see like it, it, yeah. there were twists when you were a kid like the yeah. way it ends with him and him versus the fire lord yeah it, you're like what when you're a kid but as an adult you're like hmm wonder what's gonna happen here yeah um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's my goal right now is to convince people that have not seen it and might not have an interest in seeing it because it was a cartoon show on nickelodeon mm-hmm. um that it is a solid show and it is worth watching um so let's All right. dig right into it. I, I don't believe draw you. Attention to my set piece here. Uh, we were gonna have some Avatar merchandise that would be like the like we had a cartoon book or mm-hmm. a comic book based after the show that we were gonna have, but uh, couldn't get it. So the show is based. Let's talk about the premise of the show. Yeah, the premise itself, the world building is very interesting. So we find ourselves 100 years after an. Inv- there are four nations. Yep. Uh, each centered around one of the four elements, water, fire, earth, and air. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then everything changed when the fire nation attacked. uh, You will get sick of that phrase. So there, yes, you will. (laughs) Um, so there is always this one person known as the avatar who can, uh, wow. So so I think we should probably step back and talk about bending first. Okay. Let me start this over. Okay. So there are four nations in this world, each centered around one of the four elements, water, earth, fire, and air. And there is the ability to control these that some (laughs) people have. It's not, it's not a overarching ability. Some people can, and people in each of the nation can control their elements. So uh, it's called bending. So people in the water nation, some people in the water nation can bend water that is controlling water and doing things with water doing weird watery tentacles weird watery tentacles or flying water or whipping people with water just various things and um so that's one of each of those but there's this one person who has the ability to control all of them Mm -hmm. um and that person is called the avatar avatar the last airbender 
Um, oh, and, I just put that together. <laughs> uh, there is always one person that 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 person's spirit is reincarnated. Reincarnation mm-hmm. is a thing. Um, it's very Eastern in a lot of its sensibilities. It like um, the the names are pretty much all Chinese or Japanese sounding. Yeah. And and the bending is actually something that's really interesting that you don't really notice is the bending. Each of the bending styles is based on a type of martial arts, mm-hmm. uh, Eastern martial arts. Yeah. Um, and so the way that rock benders work is very based on, I don't know the name and I don't know what it looks like, but it's, it looks like it's very solid and robust and it right. makes sense. Um, air is very fluid and kind of like manipul and just kind of avoiding, um, fire is very aggressive and destructive, like sharp edged kind of. Yeah. And water is like peaceful and healing, mm-hmm. um, and so there's this one person, Avatar, who is basically meant to keep everything in balance. Yep. Um, but a hundred years ago, from the story, the Avatar, who at that time was an Airbender, uh, was born in the air. T- uh, was born in the Air Nation, disappeared, <clears throat> and the Fire Nation, who is a whole bunch of destructive assholes, were like, you know what? We're going to take over the entire world. And they took over the entire world a hundred years ago. We find ourselves a hundred years after that. Fire Nation just kind of controls everything. Yep. They're this terrifying Nazi or Nazi army. Yep. Um, they haven't officially won the war, but they are winning the they war. They are winning the war. It will be over. Um, and then the, the Avatar comes back, and he's this 10-year-old kid. With an arrow on his head for some reason. With an arrow on his head. Uh, well, they explain it in the show, but... Right. Uh, but he's this 10-year-old kid who went missing for 100 years, wakes up from... Ex- explains pretty early on... Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, what is going on? Like, why is the fire nation everywhere? And that's, that's the introduction of the plot it mm-hmm. is that's what's happened. And he needs to push the, stop the fire nation from yeah. completely winning the war. Yep. The appeal to this show, one of the, one of the many appeals to this show is the fact that they treat him like a 10 year old kid with a world of responsibility. Yeah. And they don't dance around that. Yeah. Um, they, they spend a couple episodes kind of introducing his goofiness 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. But then season one really just starts to kind of hammer it. It's like, oh my god, I have so much to do. Yeah. And I have so little time to do it. Yeah. And I'm 10, and I don't even know the other elements. The, yep. the Avatar is supposed to learn all the elements. And it's just... It treats it well it there are there's an episode where it's literally a 10 year old kid freaking out about something like a 10 year old would yeah it he really does feel like a 10 year old for a lot of the show like yeah. a 10 year old with some wisdom to yeah. him and some some worldliness but like he reacts to things in the way a 10 year old would yeah. like he's like he you know he's got a good appreciation for fun but if you've met 10 year olds you know that they can be serious about mm-hmm. things they that's right about the point where you can start to be mature and yeah. think on an adult level in a little bit at least yeah and it's so so that's the premise that's kind of the, the overarching the, the overarching main point of the show yeah. is this 10 year old who's trying to come to terms with it yep so let's talk about all of the elements not not elements all of the aspects of the show <laughs> that are just great you start what's okay so what's something that you think of the moment you think of avatar like that that you liked the whole show what's like one of the aspects um the consistently interesting and varied uh visuals really yes um it's just 
it's constantly like it seems like every episode or two there's a, a shot or a scene or a setting where i'm like wow that's really pretty and that's doesn't look like anything we've seen yet mm -hmm. um and they're just it's constantly this really nice well done visual landscape yeah um there's a couple of episodes in particular i'm thinking of one near the end that is just gorgeous i want just every single frame to paper my bedroom which one is it southern raiders oh yeah the is it the with her with water in the air like uh, katara with the water in the air uh, yeah that and just like even before that just like the the surrounding like there's so much i don't know it feels so i can't this even one, i'm running so out of words it's an animated <laughs> show and which means that they draw things and like they draw things to be the animation and I think that they really allow the animators to draw set pieces. Yeah. It became less of a focus on just tell the story with the people saying the things. Yeah. And there was a visual storytelling to it. Mm -hmm. um, not all the time, because sometimes it is just yeah. the sake of the characters. It's just, hey, we're in a, in a big tan canyon. Yeah. But it's... God, I hate that episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's... So each of the four elements has kind of this, um, four nations has kind of this attitude in yeah. the world. Um, and that always portrayed itself in the aesthetic culture yeah. of each of the nations. You go to the, go to the rock kingdom and everything's stone and everything's very like angular yep. and like, and just it. The the main logo of the of the fire of the Earth Nation mm -hmm. is Earth Kingdom is a circle with a square in the middle. Very simple. Yep. It's just as it is. Also, yeah, I wanted to point out your mistake that you called it the Rock Kingdom because that is Did where I? earlier, and then you corrected yourself to Earth Kingdom because the Rock Kingdom is where Eddie Van Halen ascended to take his rightful throne when he died. Yes. <laughs> um, the Fire Nation is very destructive and abrupt and red and like... It's, yeah, it's much and, more of like the, the sharp angles and the triangular points. Yeah, and, and, and very like, and their culture is very restricted. Yeah, like, militaristic. Like, uniforms, and... militaristic, like, it, it, you need to be the right way or you're wrong. Mm -hmm. um, Nazis. Uh, the... Air nomads are very aloof, kind of out of the main culture. Like yeah. they, they're isolated. They're nomads, so they're yeah. away from the the hustle bustle of the city. They place a lot of value on sort of freedom and spirituality, yes. and and just kind of being at peace. Yeah. Um. And then the Water Nation are essentially Inuits. Um. Yep. And they they're in the poles, and they prefer their iso they prefer their isolation. And they're very, very tight as a tribe. Mm -hmm. It's a water tribes. Yep. They, they bond um, and, and so together. Huh? They bond together. They bond together. Yeah. It's, there are very four different distinct ways of living. Also, by going to the poles, would you say they're putting the ice in isolation? I just thought of the fact that the Fire Nation are like Nazis and they invaded the poles. <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> so the so to to talk about your point the they asked like the the um the imagery is they play to that yeah um, there are some very beautiful like fire set 
mm-hmm. things where it just feels dangerous. Like the water sets are beautiful because it's just like this peaceful flowing water. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it does. It tells the story of the culture with just the way it looks like yeah. the imagery. Yeah. I was going to tie that back into just the world building in general feels yeah. very authentic, like self-contained and authentic. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a weird world with some weird rules mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of strange creatures and stuff. But there's very little in it that feels out of place within its own mythology. Yeah. You get the sense that they're like, okay, here's the rules and everything's going to fit within that. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I figured we'd just go back and forth and talk about like mm-hmm. best parts. The characters. Big selling point. Are just. it. It's phenomenal to see. So we talked about how the four nations are very distinct in the way that their cultures are and the way that mm-hmm. they kind of exist. And the characters, the main characters are embodiments of each of those and can on a smaller scale show why this world has balanced so well pretty pretty mm-hmm. thus far. So you have Aang, who is the avatar, who's primarily an airbender. Yep. And the way that he, he's very wise, very kind of aloof, and, and mm-hmm. like you said, free-spirited. Freedom, yeah. yeah. And that's just kind of the way he is. Then you have uh, Katara and Sokka, who are brother and sister, mm-hmm. and they're from the Water Tribe, and Katara's a very motherly figure yeah. in the friend group. And that embodies the water tribes kind of healing and, um, and bonding and familial yeah. culture of the water tribe. And Sokka is very like aggressive and planning. And that kind of like, that kind of adds to that element that there's a smaller element of the water tribe. That's very um, Norse. Yes. Um, like the tribe goes together and like that, that bonding makes it through, uh, through to a battle from not only just like living in the village, but also going out with, uh, with your tribesmen to do whatever you need to do to protect your tribe. It's, it's right. a bondage. Um, and <laughs> then there's Toph, who is Toph, Toph, <laughs> Toph, who's a, uh, Rock bender, earth bender. Why do I keep saying rock? Because there's a rock next to me. Um, it's an earth. That's an earth. That's an earth. These are both earths. Um, the, the she is very just blunt and and stubborn and yep. forceful, and you would understand how she butts heads with Katara, who's the yep. motherly figure a lot yep. and then she also butts heads with ang who's very like free spirit and does whatever you want and then mm-hmm. and Toph's just like this this is the way it is mm-hmm. um and but then over time they come to terms with each other and understand it's not just like the the story doesn't make them get along with each other right they get along with each other the way that they butt heads and then reconcile there is evidence that they are understanding each other in a more fundamental way absolutely and not just like oh the only way we're gonna beat this guy is if we get along like it's not like that the the characters talk and and understand each other yeah the real avatar was the friends we made along the way (laughs) (laughs) pretty much (laughs) um and then towards the end you get uh, this one's a little bit of a plot twist, but not really. Um, I'll spoil it. Spoilers. Spoilers. 
uh, when Zuko becomes a part of the gang, that's his yeah. redemption arc, which we'll get into. Oh yes, we will. Um, he's still very. He's battling with the fact that the way that his his nation has taught him to live yep. does not work in a in a balanced world. Yeah. Um, hence, like it's him questioning the way that the Fire Nation has been for a hundred years, mm-hmm. and him having to rediscover what fire is really about it's not yeah. about destruction that yeah the way that the fire nation exists as it is has taught him to be but it's about like ferocity passion passion like it, it doesn't have to be destruction right and so you it, again this goes back to how the by the end the avatar team uh the boomerang gang uh has embodied the way that the balance has worked so far and why it tipped so far in one direction. Right. is because of corruption. And then as the corruption is weeded out and uh, addressed through Zuko, you can see how those four elements live together peacefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's just an amazing way of telling that story. Yeah. It, through the plot of the character arcs, you tell this world-building story of how these four elements have lived in balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's an amazing way of constructing a story. Yeah. Does it make sense how that... Yeah, no, that's like, a... It's, yeah, it's, it's a really convincing point. I never thought about it until just started rambling. Yeah. That's how most of my stuff happens. That, uh, yeah, exactly. But also, the characters are just so much fun and they feel authentic for how old they are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sokka needs to come into his own as a military leader because that's what his it's I'm going to briefly go through all of their character arcs because thinking about it, understanding character more now that I've Mm -hmm. learned a lot about character. Aang is this kid at the very beginning. He's this kid who thinks everything's fine, realizes everything's not fine. And his struggle at the beginning is, oh, my God, I need to be an adult. He's Harry Potter. He's Harry Potter. I need I I need to become what Roku was before me, this right. old and wise man. And by the end, he realizes that you can do that without sacrificing childhood freedom. Right. Um. And he re- he comes to terms with the fact that over time he will lose that childhood freedom as he gets older. Mm-hmm. But he can have a responsibility and not sacrifice the way that he wants to be. Right. Katara needs to like become her own in a waterbending in a sexist waterbending world. Right. Um, she deals with sexism quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's overcoming that becoming who she's like born to be at, at the beginning. She's this snotty, like I'm the mature one, like blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, it's like, she does it. She doesn't have to rub it in people's faces that she's the adult. <laughs> Um, Hermione she's... Granger, huh? Hermione yeah. Granger. Oh no! I have a whole thing. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Sokka is the is the Ron. Yeah, uh... no, he's the he's the pragmatic problem solver, kind of the goofball, but like he's not just there for comedic relief. Yeah. At the beginning, he is this rambunctious. I want to hit people with my sword, mm-hmm. um, and doesn't think things through. He's just like he does what he's seen. Right. Uh, monkey see, monkey do kind of thing. And then towards the end is when he learns about taking a step back, planning through mm-hmm. both um, planning a larger scale invasion to learning the sword craft, which involves planning an observation rather than just 
straight up swinging your sword around. Right. And that kind of, that teaches him a lot about patience that pays off in the end. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and observations and strategy. And like, it's just something he learned throughout all of the stuff that he'd done. It's really satisfying watching him come to it. It's really satisfying to watch all of them all come of them, to it yeah. in their but own. Sokka but has like, a very particular satisfying growth. Yeah. Um, Toph, I'm assuming, is Luna Lovegood? Who would you say her comparison is in Oh, I, I thought that was going to be Iroh, but... <laughs> okay, I can see that. Uh, but Toph is a... I feel like... Toph is... Let's see. So Toph is uh, fierce and independent and kind of headstrong Ginny. Jenny's not particularly headstrong. You've, you haven't read the books, have I you? I read the books. Yeah. But no, she is. She's fierce, independent, headstrong. She can do everything on her own. Mm-hmm. And like that one's a very straightforward character growth. Right. Um, probably because they only had a season and a half to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it is very um, clear. And, and she has a bit more of the very direct um, addressing her character flaws right uh where they basically say you need to stop being so fierce and independent you need to stop being so independent and headstrong yeah for a team and the only way we're gonna do this um and she kind of learns the how to be a team member right um zuko is the character that i want to talk about the most dopey Dobby's never an enemy. No, but Iroh gives him the thing and then he becomes free. What does he give him? Like the little hairpiece thing. Oh, the... Like the the, princely hairpiece thing. I don't know. I'm making stuff up at this point. He's what Draco should have been. Yeah. So Zuko starts off as this guy who wants to hunt the Avatar because his destiny and my honor is... depends his it all depends on hunting down the avatar he's really annoying for about six episodes he's really annoying for the first season now he's got some good stuff in the first season does he yeah the end oh i guess at the end yeah he does man i need to watch this show again i should have watched <laughs> it again. i should have binged it i didn't have time this week yeah. but zuko is the is one of the best redemption arcs yeah um, of all time in my opinion because it doesn't feel like it to serve a purpose Mm -hmm. it like it does Uh, it it, ends up fitting into place it fits in place but like it doesn't feel like the plot is just telling him to get better yeah it's he's going through genuine experiences whether it be uh he's just plainly sees the destruction of the fire nation and goes oh my god we're destroying people's lives Mm -hmm. or just experiencing the way that other people are and realizing that that's how it works he experiences a uh, earth kingdom family and is just like these are good people yeah holy crap yeah and then oh and all the way to realizing how evil his family is (laughs) yep voldemort Uh, huh voldemort voldemort it's like he naturally learns and it's a it's kind of a two-staged thing mm-hmm. it's the first one is he he slowly realizes the the villainy of the fire nation mm-hmm. and then like kind of and, and then leaves the fire nation but then the next part is kind of realizing his own role right um and they they hint towards his own role early on because just like Iroh every other episode saying like are you sure this is your destiny are you sure this is your destiny um and he's just like yes and then he leaves and then he goes "Mm, maybe not now he doesn't know right and then he's lost 
And then he just like goes, I'm going to take a leap of faith and just go to the dude who hates me so much because I've been hunting him yep. and figure it out. And it, it's, it's the most authentic and genuine losing your path and finding your way through your own struggles yeah then being told your way yeah um and i think harry potter struggles in that at least in the movies because he kind of is told his way yeah and he just struggles along while man now i'm realizing that's a huge thing i don't like about it about harry potter is that he's just told what to do by dumbledore and he goes around does and then dumbledore dies and then he's just like Oh God, what do I do now? I'm just going to go on the trajectory that Dumbledore sent me on. I'm going to kill Voldemort because that's what I'm supposed to do, apparently. Yeah, you should read the books. (laughs) They kind of flesh out how much more like tension there is there. He's like, look, I'm just like a little wind-up toy. Dumbledore sent out into the world. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll read the books. Maybe I'll give it a shot. Yeah. My girlfriend might. They are good books. Yeah, I know. I don't like her, though. (laughs) Separate. Separated they are from the artist. So that's my rant about character because mm-hmm. I just that's the thing that I think of when it comes to Avatar is like yeah. it's just when I was a kid it was like oh I can be a waterbender and like Meh. I always wanted to be a waterbender. Yep. Um, and then when I watched it the second time I was like oh this is kind of like this is a funny show with some pretty interesting characters and like the plot's kind of cool mm-hmm. and I'm just like oh my god the character development is just phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> the character development, the music, the like like you said, the just visuals. Yeah. Heck, even the side characters are all side interesting and unique. Yeah, exactly. There's, it's, you get something from every single tiny character. There's the swamp guys that yeah. are just like interesting, and they come back and play their role. Yeah. Um, and they have their own like the way that they live that feels authentic and independent. Right. Then you've got um just all of the water tribe people you come across yeah. are fleshed out in some way or another being and being distinct from each other mm-hmm. you've got the fire nation even the people that are just like the kids who kind of question the way that the fire nation is they get this yeah. little taste of freedom and they're like oh my god like wait is this what it's supposed to be is like this what it, yeah exactly and um you have the the one guy that i think of when you talk about side characters is that one fire nation um shaman in the uh, temple that helps them yeah on just that one guy who's like, I, I'm loyal to the Avatar, dude. Like That's my, my job. job. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not corrupt, and it, it just it, they do such a good job of using characters independently to show more about the way that the world is. Like yeah. that one, he shows how corrupt the Fire Nation really is because the people who are supposed to be loyal to the to the Avatar have been corrupt to be loyal to the Fire Nation. Right. Except for this guy. Love that guy. Yep. Shout out to him. Yes. Is he alive at the end of this? I don't I know if die. we know. I think he stayed probably in the, he probably died. Yeah, I think he stayed in the temple. Yeah, but yeah, side character. It's just everyone has their own life. Even cabbage guy. Even cabbage guy. Poor cabbage guy. Poor belabored cabbage man. Yeah, I wonder how many cabbages. I wonder how rich he would be if his cabbages <laughs> cart didn't get destroyed every season. Because <laughs> it was like three three times, wasn't it? Like once at per least. Season? Yeah. <sighs> what else? Uh, music, you kind of very briefly mentioned that the music's really good. Yes. So, okay, well, first of all, they do a great job with motifs. Yeah. Um, you've got the sound of Iroh, which is the, um, uh, it's a specific kind of horn. 
yeah that he plays in the show but it is the sound of iroh it's kind of this somber introspective sound like that fits with tea which is his whole deal Mm -hmm. um it sounds like sort of the stereotypical wise old chinese guy which is exactly what he is he's like the wise old mentor it it it's it uses that anytime that the wisdom of iroh comes through the show it's Mm -hmm. not only when he's there Mm -hmm. but like towards the end when zuko's really kind of coming to his own wisdom from iroh is you actually start to hear it within with within zuko right um which is just again part of his development mm-hmm. um you've got the like the war drums of well you got two separate kinds of war drums with the i didn't realize how norse the water tribe was until playing valhalla yeah like they're very nordic um yeah. and so like you have the war drums of them and then you have the war drums of the fire nation mm-hmm. um it's just there's this kind of motif that you feel with everything and a lot of music does that, but just it doesn't feel as like it, that's yeah. right for it. Yeah. Um, and there's two songs in particular that kill me. Mm-hmm. There's the song during the Agni Kai at the very end, which is yep. a duel between two people that you've seen the duel coming forever. Yep. And it just plays it right. It sets it up perfectly. It, uh, it, accomplishes it perfectly without diluting mm-hmm. it and it's just it's great and then music... i realized because you had warned me that the music was going to be really good in that mm-hmm. and i realized that it kind of uses one of those characters motifs exactly and it just slows it down yeah and, yeah it does. Kind of uh, layers them it, it just it's somber it's regretful they don't because yeah. you uh, i've talked about this on the episode before so this this final duel between two characters is something that's been building over two seasons. Mm-hmm. They introduced one of the characters in the second season. Uh, but it's this, it capitalizes on the struggle of both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes, one's bad, one's good. Mm-hmm. It's one person, okay, I'm just going to talk, I don't want to dance around it. Yep. Uh, so it's Zuko versus his sister. And through the, especially through the, oh, final, that's who that was <laughs> through the final season. You really see how much they hated each other, like yeah. how much they just couldn't get along. But it's so this, I, I think I talked about it in, in an episode mm-hmm. where this duel doesn't make it epic. Right. Um, because it's not supposed to be just like this really cool fight. It's these two siblings that have been pit against each other almost. Yeah, they really have. Um, and, and they don't have a choice, but like, they know they need to finish this. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's somber. It's like, again, regretful that this needed to happen. Um, the music just kind of says, we wish this didn't have to end this way. Yep. Instead of like, it's ending this way. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's powerful. I wish yep. they didn't intercut it with the, it's ending this way scene as much as it did but yeah well they needed to do the kind of the classic three-part intercut yeah big finale yeah which um, i guess is only classic because christopher nolan does that does he yeah well not always at the finale but sometimes i guess uh return of the jedi did that a little bit yeah um so that's one that gets me because it's just the way that it plays that but then the other one that I think you said you almost felt something was the leaves from a vine. 
which is Iroh's song about his son. Mm. Or Iroh sings it to his son on his son's birthday. Mm -hmm. Because, holy shit. Like, I have this, uh, this emotional attachment to parental figures that just, it kills me in movies when they do something like that like with kids like mm-hmm. i'm gonna be a mess when i have kids yep um <laughs> you're not a mess already i'm gonna be a different sort of mess exactly <laughs> <laughs> um and it's you get this for two seasons of iroh looking at zuko like it's like he's his son right because he takes him in the sun and then you learn about like it's not just Iroh lost his son. It's Iroh is the reason his son died. Yeah. Um, be it indirectly in a way, because his son was just in the military and he was a general, but like he failed and that cost him his son. Yeah. And it's like, it kind of, he is aware that it is not only his fault. It's the fault of the fire nation for doing this war. Yeah. Like it's senseless violence leads to senseless violence. Exactly. And it's this, just somberness in that episode. I keep saying somber because there's, you know, sadness gets me. Depression. Uh, <laughs> and he's, it's, it's just this, like, it puts it perfectly alongside him playing it to cheer a kid up. Right. But then later he does it and he cries. It's just, it, I'm getting a little, a little throat lump for this. Yep. Also, isn't it sombrosity? Sombrosity? <laughs> <laughs> I am 64% sure that it's not that. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but no, the, it's using music. Yeah, music plays a, a real and substantive role. Yeah. Which is more than you can say for a lot, a of, lot of shows. A lot of shows. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, do you have any other like little... The... So the Avatar, he's kind of got two themes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the kind of... Um, I can't remember the names of them. I used to know the name of it. There's the one that's really peaceful that it's at the end of the song. And it's like, like kind of the settled down. It's just like that one note melody thing. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the avatar theme right. that play in two different. And that kind of plays that dichotomy of him as the avatar and him as this 10 year old kid um, that I think is done really well because it just like, you kind of get this sigh of relief along with that first one that single note melody yeah um but then with the other one you get this just like he is the avatar and they do it when especially in that scene when the volcano explodes and he does his whole big old air thing and it freezes all of the or cools all of the lava yeah and Sokka goes man sometimes i forget how powerful and of a bender he is like it it doesn't shy away from that his natural ability is to it is the avatar yeah he is the most powerful bender Yep. And the music plays with that. That it like it plays it at the right time where this is him being powerful airbender and this is him being ten year old child lost. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Uh well I think the, the big thing that makes it hold up for adults more um not more than children. It's mm-hmm. perfectly satisfying kids show. But the thing that makes it appealing to people like you and me that you know, have serious taste in art and mm-hmm. like good quality things is it's it it plays really effectively into a lot of just really base level universal themes. Yeah. Um, tradition versus uh, innovation. progress, innovation. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> um, 
vengeance versus justice versus mercy um oh, peace so versus violence oh yeah all the time yeah it's, yeah. A, it's a big one um, it does it, it it does a really good job with that one because mm-hmm. a good theme when it's a when it's a a versus b theme is not saying one of them's wrong basically right. i mean unless it's like good versus evil but like I, even even and then the point is that there needs to be a balance because if you think about the plot of good or the theme of good versus evil mm-hmm. what is good if there's not evil that exists because if there's no evil then there's just a lesser good which becomes the evil there's always the yep. there's the, the comparison and when it comes to um vengeance versus justice versus mercy mm-hmm. like there is not one without another and it's like it struggles with that it does yeah. say that there is like it, it plays a lot more to the mercy right. in the show cuz uh, yeah cuz of that eastern like peace and yeah, nonviolent exactly. sentiment but yeah um but it shows sometimes the ramifications of mercy over justice right um i can't think of an example when but i know that it has done there was ran, there was something where someone let someone go and it was a mistake oh it was the uh the guy that turned them into yeah the, uh they were like oh i'm gonna show so there was a guy that was doing uh earth bending but he should not have been mm-hmm. and someone else sees him do it and they stop him and say you're not gonna tell anyone and it's like he needs to be like silenced and he's like no i'm gonna let him go he shows mercy and then he goes and turns him in so it's yeah. kind of the justice or the the ramifications of mercy over like yeah. justice and caution it's it's never quite black and white yeah um even on things where they're probably is a right and a wrong answer yeah. they they do let some of that gray area creep in and they let mistakes happen too yeah um and i think it's it's really it done really well for that for kids so if you're a parent thinking about showing this to your kids for kids it is pretty much is black and white like the yeah. result in a child's mind is like ah oh, peace and love and blah 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 mm-hmm. but the more you think about implications of stuff within the show it starts yeah. to kind of put that gray area mm-hmm. um it's like adult humor but adult themes yeah hidden within children themes yeah so it's it's well done yeah continue uh (laughs) (laughs) i interrupted you to talk about the yeah no i mean that was that was kind of my big overarching point is it goes a lot of different thematic but it's it's like it's very coherent thematically yeah um there are all of these kind of major through lines that um are handled consistently i think throughout and Mm -hmm. Um, come back in interesting ways just the the question of okay these guys are bad guys uh, is it okay to kill him is it okay yeah. to visit revenge is it like what do i do yeah um and, and they 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 show the uh like uh, a really good example is actually so a lot of these themes all really closely tie to zuko mm-hmm. um uh, like vengeance versus justice versus mercy um plays really heavy heavily with him um because uh you know he realizes that the blue spirit is zuko mm-hmm. and then um shows mercy and then suddenly zuko is his friend and is the reason that he was able to succeed in the future right um you know now that i'm thinking about it zuko doesn't teach him anything that he needed because the ultimate victory was him just getting stabbed in the back by a rock. Yeah. Uh Oh, Zuko's useless. Zuko's useless. Didn't need him. Right. Him out of the show. Right. Him out of the show. Get rid of him. It's got facial scarring. Anyway, he's a bad guy. (laughs) 
<laughs> Distinct facial scar means bad guy. <laughs> I do like that they kind of broke that trope. They did, yeah. They broke a lot of tropes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, no, it's just... There's so much to this show. There's got to be more that I'm missing. Yeah. Well, you mentioned something just a little bit. Um, they're perfectly willing to let the characters make mistakes and feel the consequences of those mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just everything happens to work out all the time because yeah. they're the good guys. No, things go wrong. People get hurt because of their decisions and because yeah. of their mistakes. Um, and that, I think, I mean, it adds some tension for sure. Yeah. I mean, the, there's definitely... Like, one of the big ones is the first time he ever tries to airbend, and he, or water, firebend, got it. Yeah. He tries to firebend, and, like, fire is inherently out of control. Right. And so he tries to experiment with it a little bit more when told not to, and mm-hmm. he ends up hurting Katara. Yeah. And, it's, yeah, it's a mistake he made, and it, and then, like, kind of, it, it is followed by another mistake almost where mm-hmm. he refuses to ever do fire again yeah because he kind of takes that other extreme he's a 10 year old reacting like a 10 year old would where he's like oh if i can't do it i'm just never gonna do it right instead of coming to terms with the fact that he made a mistake like he kind of blamed fire more than himself mm-hmm. uh because he's, he's just like i mean i lost control but it's the fire that did it like i'm yeah. just never gonna do fire again because fire is the reason i lost control right and it kind of like that's one of those implications that he says, like, oh, I made a mistake. I'm never going to firebend again. It's, it, it, it's, the implication of it is he thinks that it's the fire, it's fire's fault. Right. That he did that. Um, so it's just, it, it, that's part of that character flaw of he made a mistake and then his result was not the right, he took the wrong lesson and they, they dwell on that. Yeah. Because then when he does need to learn fire from Zuko, he's just like, I promised I would never do it. And he's like, you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, maybe I am. Yeah. 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 Anything yeah. else? I mean, we There's could plenty. sit and talk about this show more, but I think we've made a pretty convincing case for yeah. people that haven't seen it. it is, it's just, you don't go into the show expecting a cartoon. Um, and we're going to, this is the first episode of kind of three episodes where we talk about animation, anime. Um, next week, we're going to talk about Something having to do with animation or Western anime and how Avatar kind of brought, introduced anime to the Western world. It's a good thing Andrew's going to drive on that one. I don't think either, either of us oh, have any idea no, what's going to happen. No, that's why we're having them specifically. And then the third one is Studio Ghibli, which is an animation studio that has a dozen movies? No, a little, like maybe 16 to 20 movies? They have more movies. Uh, Miyazaki himself only has about a dozen. Okay. So Miyazaki movies. Um, yeah, specifically. Specifically Miyazaki movies. because So what we, what I just said is that you don't go into this expecting just an animated show, a kid's show. Right. Um, because Miyazaki, the, the way that he does stuff is very mature. Yeah. Um, it's, you don't, I mean, yes, it's an animated movie, but I, I feel like a lot of people have seen Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a that's a movie like it's an honest goodness movie and it's i mean it's anime because it's eastern animation um but it's it it does its own justice yeah Um, it proves that it it can be different from schoolgirl japanese anime like kind of stuff that you would think of yeah you were talking about mature animation and i uh (laughs) (laughs) um and and so that's what something that avatar is you you put it alongside everything else that it aired with which is 
fairly odd parents, Jimmy Neutron. Like, yeah, yeah you're going to think it's useless, but it needs to be viewed for what it is, not right. for what it was around. Um, right. And it's just, it's an amazing show. We're not even going to talk about Korra. Because <laughs> I don't think that Korra does it quite as well when you talk about it in this depth. Mm-hmm. Um, still a good show, but yeah. I mean, I'm not going to recommend Korra to a grown man who is looking for a show to watch. Okay. But I will actively recommend Avatar. All right. All right. Well, uh, shall we? Let me just say real oh. quick that now I'm really excited to watch the movie. I'm excited to see my favorite characters come to the big screen yeah, and see the bending action. with some actual like yeah, I can't wait great special it. effects. I think it's going to be very good and yeah, satisfying. Glad they announced that. It'd be cool to see him not Shyamalan do it. Yeah, no, he'd probably be the exact right guy for that because of all of his work on similar stuff like um, signs. Yep. Michelle, <laughs> thanks everyone for listening. Uh, you should definitely check out Avatar: The Last Airbender, and you should also check out this podcast, other previous episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, and I'm going to start sneezing again because Preston right, blew out the it. candle. Um, so get ready for that. You should also check us out on Facebook, where we exist, but that's mostly just a, a, a recapitulation of our um, Instagram Whoa. posts. Oh. Did it? You can keep going because that's not going to be on. Okay. Uh, Instagram at Just Us Losers Pod. That's the place where we post the pictures, and that's kind of mostly where the interesting stuff happens. So check us out there. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Just Us Losers Pod, where I don't know, not much happens, but follow us there anyway, and then things will happen. Um, we're on Gmail, uh, Just Us Losers Pod at gmail.com. So if you want to send us, if you, uh, if you're someone who was inspired to watch Avatar The Last Airbender from this episode, send us an email. Let us know what you thought. Tell us, tell us all about it. Um, tell us your favorite bits, your least favorite bits. Tell us where we were right, where we were wrong. Um, we're on Patreon where you can give us money. That's how that works. Um, we're on YouTube where we post little shortened 15 minute video clips of the, the main pro discussion. Um, so you can send those to your friends if they're not entirely sure if they'd appreciate our particular brand of podcastery, um, send those to them just as like a nice little sampler and then push them to listen to our regular podcast, uh, put AirPods in their ears as they sleep and blare our podcast. Well, not blare cause that's going to wake them up, do it very quietly. So it's like subliminal and, we penetrate into their dreams. This is all an Inception sequel. You didn't know that, did you? Uh, next week, as Preston mentioned, we're doing Studio Ghibli. Ghibli? No, not next week. Ne- not next week. Next week is Western Animation with... Or Animation General. I don't know what the topic is. Something. Andrew's driving on that one. So get ready for your favorite co-host, guest host, the... You know, you know him and you love him. Uh, he's going to be there. And then we'll do Studio Ghibli the week after that. So, I don't know. I'm just probably going to watch all the Miyazaki movies between now and then. So, um, might skip one or two of them that I've already seen. Because I've seen Spirited Away like eight times. I need to see Spirited Away. It's pretty good. That's probably it. That's probably everything I'm supposed to have said. So, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Oh. Bye.